greetings this morning in that precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I would disagree with Nate on one thing. If it, if it was him up here and it was reversed, he would go ahead and correct me, so I'm going to do that. Don't look to me, look to God. That would be what I would advise you this morning as we get into that. I, would, I wouldn't have pressured too many people, but me and him kind of got our thing, so we're he forgives me before I ever speak, he says, so that's, that's a good thing. I, I really appreciate that. That's, that's, a needed, that's a needed thing for all of us. But yeah, as I was thinking about this morning what to share and where to go, and I, most of you know we've been, maybe I should explain why we're preaching first. I don't know, I didn't say that. Most of you know, some of you are here at men's meeting, but actually my sister's getting married in the Amish church here at, today, and we want to go witness that, and that will be about at 11 o'clock, so the reason and I tried to say to Rick and he thought we should go ahead and do this and switch around so that's why this is going on but yeah hopefully God can speak to you and that you can go away from here and be blessed and grow in him and uh, yeah as I was thinking about what to share and where to go this morning and I was been going through the commandments of Jesus you know he tells us in John 14 that if we love him we shall keep his commandments and I think that's a necessary thing and I have at the beginning I yeah, I said we, I, I'm not sure that we understand what those are, but this morning we, I actually, the last time I preached, I think I read this commandment, but I didn't stop on it. I kept going on purpose, by the way, but you can open your Bibles to Mark 8. We're going to start in verse 34. There's actually three, three references of the same account here, uh, but if you were titled the message this morning is take up your cross and follow me, a commandment that Jesus gives. And I think it may be, if not, well, he tells us that we're to love him with all our heart, all our soul, all our mind, and then love our neighbor as ourselves. He said, on them hang the law, all the law and the prophets. And I think this comes right in, he doesn't mention this to be number three, but I would say this is number three, and it might actually interwove with number one and number two, actually, when you, when you sit down and think it through a little bit, what all it entails, what he's, what he's trying to explain Let's start reading in 34. I'll read the scriptures, these three, and then we'll go to explain. I've got a few other things that I want to bring in. Mark 8, verse 34. And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, this is Jesus, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospel's, the same shall save it. For what shall profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and he lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whoever, whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this, this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some of them that stand there which shall not taste death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come, in the, come with power. And he's speaking to these people, and he, when he means the kingdom of God coming in power, it's when, his, when he died on the cross, and he rose again. Then his kingdom was here on earth. It was established on earth at that moment. And he said, some of you won't, some of you won't taste death, death until you see that happening. And, and it, we know it came to pass. It was, you know, you would keep reading the Gospels and going to Acts that we know he died, he rose again, and he went back to heaven. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 28. We'll read that account, and then Luke 9, and then I'll, I don't want to read 
bore you with the reading because they're basically all the same, same thing. Uh, but my, this is Luke 16. It reads this way. Then Jesus said unto the disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever shall lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. And what shall a man give exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. And I, I, I think maybe when he's talking about according to his works, you know, sometimes we take that, we take that, and I want to hopefully get to that point here in this message. When we think of our works, what are that? What, 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 do, what do you visualize in that? Um, think about that with me just a little bit and just kind of keep that churning in there a little bit. We're going to come back to that a little bit. According, every man will shall re reward every man according to his works. And if I'm not mistaken, I didn't study the Sunday school lesson, but I think it's something about God's judgment. I, maybe, well, I don't even know what the reference is. What's the reference, Kevin? It's fine if you don't know it. I fooled you. But at any rate, we know that we know that God is going to judge every person here by and he says, your works. Let's just think about that a little bit. And I want to get I want to touch on that as I keep as I get into the message more. Verily I say unto you, there shall be some standing here which shall not taste death till they come and see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now in Luke 9, I want to look at that and then I'll quit boring you with reading, at least for a little bit. Luke 9, starting in verse 23, and again, I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version. It's the very same, very same setting, the same, it's just recorded in different Gospels. It's in the same time frame, the same thing. He said to all, in 23, Luke 9, verse 23, he said to all, if any person wills to come after me, let him deny himself, disown himself, forget and lose sight of himself, his own interest, refuse and give up himself, and take up his cross daily and follow me. Please steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living, and if need be, dying also. For, what, for whoever would preserve his life and save it will lose and destroy it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, he will preserve and save it from the penalty of eternal death. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and ruins or forfeits or loses himself. Because whoever is ashamed of me and my teachings of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in the three in the threefold glory, the splendor and majesty of himself and of the Father and of the holy angels. However, I tell you truly, there are some of you standing here who will not taste death before you see the kingdom of God. And again, I made, I made mention of that. Uh, what does taking up your cross mean? What does that look like? What, does, what do you visualize in your mind when you, when, when you hear Jesus giving this command? He says, he says that let him deny whosoever will come. I guess we should start there. First of all, whosoever will come. What do you see as taking up your cross? What's that look like? Anybody? What do you, what do you see, Bryson? When you say taking up your cross, what do you, what do you visualize? Maybe that's putting you on the spot. I'm sorry. Uh, maybe I should pick on a girl. Kevin, what's it mean to you? Yeah. Anyone else? Somebody else have a thought?
That's fine. I, I think Kevin nailed it on the head. That's that. When you think of what does it mean to take up your cross, and I, I know sometimes you hear this statement made, and I'm not saying it's all wrong. I think part of it's right. But when you view it as taking up your cross, some people, some people would look at it as putting on the difficulties or the uh, trials or the, the bad stuff, so to speak. It's bad in our eyes, maybe not bad in God's eyes. But putting on them and carrying them. Some people would say, that's what taking up your cross means. And I think that's part of it. But I think the most, the, the thing that Jesus was trying to get here and the reason, I, the reason I think this is, if you go to Romans 12, I guess first of all we should think about what was the cross in this, in this setting. You know, Jesus died, and we know, we know he, went, he died on the cross. There's something about that cross, when you think of in, in today's thinking, I'm not sure that we totally grasp what the cross meant to them, like what that actually was. That was like if you had a electric chair sitting in this, this, this corner, and you sat on there, that, that's... I mean, it was dead. You're gone. There's no coming off. When you're on there, it's over. You're not. You're not alive when you come back off. Just like an electric chair, unless the breaker blows, and probably even then, you're going to be dead. There's no. There's no coming. There's not. You're not coming back alive. That's what the cross meant. And I think Jesus made a very vivid point. I don't know how these people. This is before he died. This is before. But you know, when they when they thought about taking up their cross, I'm sure they did not even. Fully understand, there's no way. And I don't know that I even do today what it totally means. But when you think about dying, when you this is basically in, in, in long, short form, Jesus is saying, unless you die, unless you give yourself, unless you lay with arms open, you can't follow me. You've got to, he said, you've got to take up your cross and follow me for whosoever, because why do we not? Why do we not open our arms to that? Why do we, why, why do we not uh, lay our arms out? Let's, let's look at Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Uh, again, I said this is another, I think, a, I think another explanation of why Jesus was trying to bring this out. And, you know, when we read this scripture, it kind of doesn't make, you know, sometimes it makes sense, sometimes not. I kind of touched on this a couple weeks ago. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God. And, and I think going back to this, this thought of, of taking up our cross, um, you know, we can, we can try it on our own. We can try... We can try taking up our cross on our own. We can try surrendering, total surrender. But I don't think we can get to where Jesus wants us unless we know the Father. You have to know the Spirit. You have to be, you have to be totally surrendered to Him or you can't surrender to nobody. Uh, There's so many things that we, we, we think we totally surrender. And I guess, yeah, I was just, as I was sharing with the guys in the room this morning, as I was studying for this message, I think God clearly showed me I was not there. Not only in, I mean, you can think of literal things such as, you know, giving up yourself for service or doing what God called you to do, but just totally being okay with whatever, Lord. I'm here. You're in control. It's your thing. I want to hear you tell me what to do. Just like the pilot that, that one of us spoke about tonight. When you hear the voice, and how do you know if it's his voice? 
How do you know? You know yeah, so yeah, I think, and we see all that. The will of the Father. How do we know what the will of the Father is? And I think he made a good point. It's the Word of God. But I also believe that in our mind, we have to know. We have to hear God. And I, I, I think we're all on the same page. I've talked to a couple of people about this just recently. And everybody says the same thing. You, have, you all have voices going off your head, right? There's somebody speaking. And then you have to discern. Is this me? Is it God? Who, who's, who's saying this? Who's telling me to do this? You know, sometimes it comes in a very vivid dream. You know, very clearly. We have no question. This is God. But I think what I've learned in my own life, sometimes I, I'm not sure that I'm listening to the voice. I'm, I'm hearing it, but I don't really like it, so I just kind of, I want to do my own thing. But I think when you pray against the spirit of confusion or just any kind of, Lord, clear my mind, I want to know if this is you. If there's any confusion, any disillusion, whatever, in the name of Jesus, I renounce it. I, I, I want you to speak directly to me. And whenever you hear that voice, I think we can assure that it is from God. If we are born again, if we are truly living in life for Him, we can know that it's from God. If it's not, then again, it says try the Spirit. And, and like Gary shared, I think you can go to the Word of God. It does it line up with the Word of God? Is, is it something that's contrary to what the Lord says? If it is, obviously it's not going to be God because He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. But what does it mean to... Be a living sacrifice. I think, first of all, you have to know who God is, and you have to be okay with living for him. Did you notice he says, Jesus says that if you save your life, you shall lose it. If we save our life, we shall lose it. I don't think he's talking about a physically, our breathing bodies. Uh, you know, we, we don't have to kill ourselves to follow him. He's not saying that. The inner being, old man's spiritual self has to die. That has to be put on the electric chair, plugged in, and killed. That sounds kind of that sounds kind of rough, but that's what Jesus is saying. Unless you totally give yourself, take up your cross, be a living sacrifice. You're a sacrifice. You're on the altar, Lord. Wherever you want me, whatever you want me to do, just I want to be. I want to be open to you. I want to walk in what you want me to walk in. I want you. I want to do what you want me to do. Speak to me. Just just show me, Lord, what you have for me. I want to be obedient. And I think another reason for my own life that I, that I find myself not going there is simply because it's either two things, lack of faith or unbelief. And I think until we have a strengthen of faith and of unbelief, and I believe that's why if you look at Jesus' teachings and even the apostles throughout different times in the Bible, a lot he just kept, both, kept hammering. Unbelief, 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 doubt, unbelief. It's all the same thing. We don't truly trust God. We don't truly trust him. Because when you turn loose, you're loose. You're in free fall. And that scares the natural person. If you are in free fall, that scares the natural person. But do we believe that the Lord that raised from the dead the God in heaven, and it, yeah, there are so many thoughts going in my mind, I, mean, I can't hardly get them all out, but the thought of how he loved us, we sang that song that, that Imogene talks about, how he loved us, how he loved us, that he sent his only begotten son. Just, if we think about that for just a little bit, it ought to make us, this whole thing of free falling ought to come to a whole new grip. 
Do we realize that he, he doesn't have a desire that any, any should fall? So becoming a living sacrifice, I think holy and acceptable, and holy there I think means set apart, devoted, consecrated. It's, it's for you. It's, every, it's, it's everything that we do. It's everything that we say. It's everything that goes on in our life. Is it pointed toward one thing? Is it Jesus Christ? And that, you know, his disciples here had all these agendas. I think they were, you know, earlier they were fishing. They were doing their job. They were, but if you notice, what did they do? They dropped their things and they followed him. Let's look at Luke 14. As we think of a living sacrifice, Luke 14, I want to touch there just a little bit. I kind of forgot what time I started. Was it about 10? I want to make sure I don't go over my time. Kind of like a horse without a fence here. I don't, this is not normal. I normally have a little bit of time frame where I can go, but I, I don't want to go over that. Uh, Luke 14. Being a living sacrifice, and this is another one of Jesus' teachings, and I'm not going to make a lot of words on this, but just, just bringing out the emphasis on what it means to total surrender, what it means to be in free fall, what it mean, and, and free fall is kind of a loose term, but what I mean by that is that we're not hanging on to anything. You know, the, the, the world we live in, we have everything right here. We can pretty much control a lot of our destiny, really. I mean, or at least I think we can. You know, you can, you can kind of make do whatever you want. We have, we, have, it's, we have easy living. We have what we need. We don't have to run. We can just kind of, we can make things come out to where everything is always right here. We don't really have to never turn loose. But the, the, the thought of it is here, I think, and Jesus was bringing this to his disciples, is that they realize what it costs. What it's going to cost you to be his disciple. What's it going to cost to be a living sacrifice? And it's going to cost something. It's going to cost you everything, actually. It won't just cost something. Let's start reading in verse 25, 25 to 34. And when the, the great multitudes with him had turned, and they said unto them, If any man come, after, come to me and hate not his father and I, I want, to, I want to clarify a little bit on this hate word. I don't think he means by totally, I don't like you. I'm not, I'm not going to have partaker with you. That's not what he means. I think what he means is we all in our minds, I think, I, I can't think for other people, but this is the way I see it. In our minds, we have levels of people. We have, we have things that, we, that are close to our heart. There's, there's, like, there's like steps. There's, there's things that we really embrace, like really, they are dear to us. They, our, our husband or our wife, our spouse, that's, that's like that's the closest thing to our heart. And then it's our children. And then it's whatever. It, you, you can go on down the line. There's things that, there's, there's categories that we put into things. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. If you, anything is in that category in line before him, it's wrong. You've not, you're, it's going to cost you that. You can't have that. You're going to have to put that in the offering, so to speak. That's got to go. That's got to be, not that it's not treasured, not that you don't love it. That's not what he's saying. But he's saying, if that is first, if that, if that takes devotion away from me, it, it can't be. All devotion has to go to one place. Like, not all, I'm not saying that, that's not the right term. Not all devotion, because we have to have love for our children, too. But our utmost, most intense devotion needs to be to him, to God. This is what Jesus is saying here, I believe. He said, if any man come to me, he hate not his father 
and his mother, his wife, and his children, his brother, his sister, yea, even his own life. You know, we love to live. We love to live. We love to... Do we... Do we are we okay with Christ taking that at this moment? Am I okay with that? Are you okay with that? It's kind of sobering thought when you think about it. I actually had an incident a couple weeks ago, and I didn't even share this with my wife. This is kind of bad, but she'll hear it now. Um, I actually shared with a little bit what happened. but It was one afternoon, it was pretty warm, and I was down at Dad's cultivating beans, and I was working on my cultivator, and I, and I kind of got, I don't know if it was a sugar low or what it was. I'm not sure what it was. But I almost like passed out. Like it was like, I'd get down on my knees and sat, and it was like, man, it was, it was like, I just didn't feel good. I felt like, and she says I was dehydrated, and I probably was. I don't know if that's what it was or not. But at any rate, this is the part I didn't tell her. As I was sitting there, there was a thought, that the thought started coming to my mind. You know, like it was like, you know, it was almost like passing out. So there's this thought of, what is after next? You know, if I close my eyes here, what, what's, where are we at? Have you ever thought about that? We're so wrapped up in this skinny thing of, of life. Have we ever sat down and just thought about it and closed our eyes? This might be the last time it opens. Where are we going? What's next? Are we okay with that? Am I okay with that? Are you okay with it? There's something about that that gripped my heart, I think, that I, that I realized that I thought I was okay with it, but I'm not sure that I was at that point. But there has, has to be a living, Lord, I'm here. If you choose to take me, you take me. If you choose to take everything I have, it's yours. I, I'm in free fall. It's, I'm in your control. I'm an autopilot. That's hard. That when you when you think about, I think we love life, and it's a good thing. We, we we're to desire life. We're to try to live. That's our that that. I mean, that's the natural man. But the, the the precious thing about that is, if we are taking up our cross, we are being like this living sacrifice. We know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. There's something on the other side of that. You know, it was for me that day. It was like I, I had. I don't think I was. It wasn't that I was going to hell. I didn't believe that. But it was just a. The, the reality set in that I've actually, there's a step here. There's something that's going to happen. And it, there, there was just, it was the reality of actually, maybe, possibly stepping from one place to another. I think we need to prepare ourselves for that. We need to think about that thoroughly. And the reason I say that, because I think it makes what, what, what that thought, that thing, of, and not, not out of fear. Not out of fear. It's out of the love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because that he sat on the electric chair so we don't have to. We don't have to. He did that already. Do we understand that? Do we even think about what? And, and you know, the, the amazing part is that I was just thinking about this morning as I was yeah thinking about sharing this is, you know, they took him over there. I'm just using the electric chair because it's something we can identify with. I mean, the cross is what he, obviously, we know that's what he was crucified on. But they, they led him all the way up there. He, they beat on him. They, they spit on him. They falsely accused him. And they did whatever you want to do to him. And what did he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Where are you and I at? Where would we have been at? Where would have placed yourself in that 
thought process. That's the type of surrender that our life needs to look like. <clears throat> he says, Whosoever doeth not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. And if you look up what a disciple is, it's someone that wants to learn. It's someone that is following a person to learn and to be like he is. That's what a disciple is. So until we completely shred this thing here, this self person, we can't be his disciple. He plainly tells us that. And I think there's so many people trying to be, they, they haven't completely shredded self, and they want to follow his. It's not possible. He tells us that. It can't happen. For which you intending to build a tower says down not do you not set down first and count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. And I think that cost is just what I talked about, that thing of where you come face to face with the thought of this is real. This is not fake, this is not playing around. This is real stuff. It's 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 considering you and your life. When you come in grips with that and you think about it, the surrender that, that that calls for, that Jesus is asking from us. We didn't think about that before we start because some people don't, when they get to that point, all of a sudden they've got a little bit built and then they realize, oh, it's going to take everything. I want to look at a man that did that. You can turn your Bibles over to Mark 10. I was going to read the rest of this, but my time's getting away and I want to, I want to get to this scripture. Mark 10. There's a man that did that. He he kind of forgot to, Mark 10, verse 17. He kind of forgot to count the cost of what it was going to cost him to follow Jesus. And this was in, you know, before Jesus had went to the cross. And when he had gone forth into the way, there came one running, and they kneeled to him. And they asked him, Good Master, what shall I do that I may, that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not, and honor thy father and thy mother. He answered, he said unto the master, and said unto master, All these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, looking at him, would be the better term, maybe, loved him. Loved him. I think Jesus is looking at him and said, you know, just love pouring out of his eyes. This is a man that has a desire to have eternal life. He says he, it says he kneeled before Jesus. And he's asking him, what, what do I have to do to have eternal life? And just envision with me the love coming out of Jesus' desire. Because he has, he has desire that every, no soul perishes. He has same love for the man that's the worst sin you can think about. That's doing that as he does for the person that's living a complete surrender life. His love not, is not is the same for each one. He doesn't love the sin, but that soul that's within, he loves the same. But it says here that this man asked him, why cause you may get as none good but God? We read that. Let's go down to verse 20, verse 21. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him, and he said unto him, One thing that thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give to the poor. Thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come, take up the cross, and follow me. 
he was sad at the saying. He went away grieved, for he had great possessions. This is a man that had lots of money, I believe. I'm not talking to I'm not I'm not condemning money this morning in no way. But he had lots of money. He lived a basically a perfect life. You can see Jesus told him all these things. He said, I've been there from my youth. I've been I've been a good man. There was still something that he picked that he had hold on. Not that he couldn't have it. I don't think Jesus, I think Jesus has been all right with him having it. But Jesus knew that he still had it here. He wanted that more than he wanted his Savior. Is there anything in my life or in your life this morning that we have gripped on more than our Lord and Savior? This man went away bitterly. He could not release. He couldn't turn loose. He said, I can't do this. I don't think he counted the cost of what it means to become a follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus looked around. We're going to read down to verse 22, I think. I already read that far. Like I said, he had great possessions. So have we released everything to him? Have we, have we totally surrendered? Or is there something that you're still gripping on to? Or that I'm still gripping on to? You know, a lot of times we think of money. That comes first. We always... That's pretty easy. We, we, we think about that. And we say we could release it, or we haven't released. But truly do we? Are we okay if God comes tomorrow and takes everything? Or today even? Or he says, I want you to go there. Are we listening to that? Are we, are we hearing that? Are we listening to that voice? I don't want you to second guess yourself. I just want to make sure that you are. Challenge you with that. And myself as well. Because he said, unless we take up a cross and follow him, we cannot be his disciple. And if we're not his disciple, we're not going to be in the kingdom of God. If we're not in the kingdom of God, we're not going to heaven. Flat, plain out what the word of God says. It's not my idea. It's what Jesus said. It's what God said. So where are we at this morning? It means total surrender. Mark 14, I want to look at that. And then Galatians 20, and I'm going to close. Mark 14 is a perfect example. I think Jesus left for us of... What this looks like. Verse, verse 32 in Mark 14. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane. He saith to his disciples, Sit here, sit you here while I pray. This was right prior to his crucifixion. Actually, they had eaten the Last Supper. They had come down through the Kidron Valley and they crossed that and they're heading up to the Mount of Olives. They came to the Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he talked with Peter and James and John. He begged them. He began to be sore amazed, to be very heavy. And the Amplified Version would say it this way. He was deeply distressed and troubled, extremely anguished at the prospect of what was to come. I don't know that, I don't know that you and I, I know we don't understand the weight that Jesus was carrying at that time. This was a person, it was God in flesh, that came from the throne room of heaven that could not stand sin, 
that was connected to the Father the whole time in a way that you and I are never going to be, well, that might not be right because the Spirit lives within us. We probably are. You think that, that, that's probably not a true statement. But at any rate, it was a man that did not know no sin. He didn't know wrong. He didn't know, he didn't know word, world, the works. He didn't know that because he didn't have to. He was God. And he realized that he was going to have to be this separation. And you know, I don't know, I was just thinking about that this morning as well. Do we realize that the separation that Jesus has faced on, on the cross, if we are faithful, you and I never have to face that. Have you ever thought about that? That's actually pretty amazing. Because he was separated from the Spirit of God, the very thing that he was, the Son. That was cut. It was, that had to happen. Somewhere, someone had to shed blood for that, for that thing to be, for that uh, seam to be put back together. There had to be shedding of blood. That was the only way. And it had to be a person because animals didn't do it. And that's what Jesus was facing here. He said that he's exceedingly sorrowful unto death. Tarry you here and watch. He went forward a little and he fell on the ground. Remember, this is not some giant. I don't think his stature was some big guy. I don't, I don't know what Jesus looked like. But a human being. I know sometimes I get my picture of, when I think of Jesus, you know, teaching and doing all these things, he's just different, different, big guy. He's not. Yes, he's different, but he's not, he's not different. Because he's one of them. fell on the ground and he prayed. And I think this is a perfect example for you and I. If it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. That was his beg. That was his asking. But then he went on. He said, nevertheless, not what I will, but it's what thou wilt. Even at, you know, he came down from heaven as a man. He walked these 33 years, almost 33 years at this point, because this is like a day before death, or two days, whatever. He knew what he was here for, I believe. I know he did, because he preached it. But even yet, I think the human nature within, the, the, the him living in human, he knew that the separation was going to be just terrible. And another thought in that line is, I want you, this is not to scare you, but I just want you to just kind of prick your brains and as you think about this a little bit, have you ever thought about the separation that we were going to feel if we don't have the Spirit of God? If that not being present for eternity? I think that's, what, that's exactly what Jesus felt for just, just a little three days or however long it was until he rose again. But he, 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 had, he knew there was going to be this separation, but he walked all these years, and he knew what his calling was. He knew what he was here for. He knew what God put him here for. But yet he still asked, Lord, could you just take this cup from me? It was, it was going to be hard. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, living sacrifice, here I am. 
and it says he was led away as a sheep to the slaughter, and he said not a word. I think it's a perfect example for us to be who God called us to be. Back to that works thing. What was it, what was we at now? I forget. I thought I said I was going to talk on it, and I lost my train of thought. Um, in Matthew 16. Let's go back and see if I can get that back. Every man according to his works. That's what. It's not It's not what we do for people to see. That's not the works he's talking about. People will see it, but it's not that. It's the work that God, that comes from the heart, it's because I'm doing it, and it's before you, because of you, Lord, and no one else. I don't care if nobody else sees it. I'm still going to do it because it's for him. The one that sat in the electric chair that laid his life down on the cross. And when you read the, the things that went on on this death on the cross, I think it was way worse than any electric chair. Electric chair is like that and you're dead. And I don't think cross death was like that. There was lots of suffering. Lots of just agony. Terrible. He hung there and said not a word. Galatians 2.20, I want to close with that and then it's birthed from a song that I was listening to this morning. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live, in the flesh I live by faith. That's that free fall. By faith. Do you, do you, are you okay are you okay with being in free fall knowing that you've been tempted? You've got this. He's in control. You know, I, I don't know how many of you ever went on, we went to a thing in Six Flags that had a harness on it, pulled us up on the back, and on 300 some foot, and it turned you loose. They were roll ponies, but they didn't have a catch to anything on the bottom. But I like to think about, and, you know, it's supposed to work in my mind, what that rock there? You're going to be down to ground. Well, what's that thing down up here and after the rope there? Then what? You're dead. That faith is knowing that it's going to be okay. I mean, I had a crust in that right. I knew I was going to go down. I mean, I know God could have let the rope there or whatever, but still, that's just a picture of what faith looks like. And I think that's what this verse that Paul wrote here in Galatians 2.20, he said, Not I. But Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith as a son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. The song that I was thinking about this morning was uh, the river, it's a medley that the, that the Stutzman sing, and there's a, there's, there's, a, there's a part in there that, and the whole song is actually good, but the, the one part that really stuck out to me this morning as I was listening to it last night. All of my ambitions, hopes, and plans, I surrender these into your hands. It's only in your will that I'm free. Yes, it's only in your will that I'm free. Jesus, oh for Jesus, all I am and have ever hoped to be. We're going to be nothing unless we're in here. Are we okay with taking up a cross this morning? And what I said this morning was, like I shared, I, I feel like yeah, just the last three weeks have been tremendous in growing in that area. And as I 
without experience, maybe kind of initiate it, and then you start wondering, and then you know, a couple things that I've sat through in the last while, preaching-wise, you, really, where are you? Truly come face-to-face, and Rick probably say a little bit of that with his water experience, when you, but, yeah, when you realize that you no longer are in control, are we okay with that? Are we living as God guides and directs us and takes us and shapes us and love your brother, love Lord with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. Those two things he said on that and all the law and the prophets. Let's come before the Lord and pray. Thank you so much for how you saved me. How you died on the cross, how you took that electric chair death for us. The agony, the pain that we didn't have to take. Lord, help us in our hearts to just grip the gratification that we have through that this morning, Lord. I can't express it really. Lord, my heart just says thank you. Thank you so much. How you shed that blood. Lord, this morning, my desire and my prayer for each person in this room. Help us to look at our own lives and help us to be that living sacrifice that you've called us to be. Lord, help us to release all things, all things to you. Lord, help us to inventory our lives. If there's anything that needs looking, that would have been you. And you would touch that spot. And you would point that out. And you would bear vividly show us. Lord, I pray that for each person in this room, that they're going to. As we search, that you would make it very clear that there's things that need to go. That we are holding in front of you. This morning, I just pray that your will would be done and your kingdom would come upon this place. And Lord, this morning, I once again bless you, we praise you, and glorify you for who you are. We love you, we praise you, we bless you. It's your thanksgiving that we pray in Jesus' name. I might also share, and I should have done that before we prayed. If you find yourself there, I said Jesus had the perfect example in the Garden of Gethsemane. Look at what he did. He asked the Lord, but if you find yourself there and there's somewhere you're not surrendered, it said he fell on his face before the Lord. Not my will, but thine be done. God is there. He wants to take that from you. He don't want you to carry that because it's not yours. It's not meant for you to carry. Walk in Him in faith. Lord bless.